Hey, Nat Tangich with you for this special episode. I'm super excited to share this chat with the world because Zoe Foster Blake is really a world of knowledge when it comes to dating and relationships. If for some reason you haven't heard of her before, she's a writer, founder of a huge skincare line and wife of radio star Hamish Blake. Now, Zoe's been writing about love for ages, investigating young love in novels like Playing the Field and The Wrong Girl and nonfiction like textbook romance, which she wrote with her hubby. Well, her latest project is Clean Slate, and it's different. An audiobook about a high-flying, ambitious married couple who discover they've been cheating on each other. What follows is a protracted look at a seemingly perfect relationship cracking at its core, like an Aussie marriage story that's even more gruelling and real. Can you start fresh after mutual betrayal? And why do we stray and lose passion? Zoe's been exploring it all and I got the chance to have a chat with her about it and hear what she thinks about cheating and relationships. Enjoy. Uh, Zoe, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Tell me a little bit about the origins of Clean Slate. Like, how did you get into thinking about tackling this story of infidelity and I'm going to put forgiveness in quotation marks. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, look, I, I'm fascinated by relationships and infidelity is a huge part of that. I've written about relationships for 15 years and breakups and it's often the cause and it's often a big moment in people's lives where their life goes one way or the other and I find it fascinating and um, I love Esther Perel and I think she's, you know, she's a real inspiration. She's a brilliant therapist and thinker and she's kind of flipped upside down everyone's ideas of infidelity and 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 I liked that and so I like the idea of a couple coming in that had both betrayed each other and where did that leave the power dynamic who was who had more right to say will you hurt me will you hurt me and I was wondering if they would that would just neutralize each other and become an, a clean slate for them to move forward and so I wanted to tussle with that and Audible presented the idea of a novella, which I thought was the perfect place for it because it's 30,000 words, it's not too long and you just get right into the action. And also, you know, I am 40 and a lot of my friends' uh, marriages are breaking up and <laughs> a lot of them in a really, you know, disastrous uh, nuclear kind of fashion. So some of that stuff, if I wrote, wouldn't even seem like it could be possible. But, yeah, so I, um, it's all around me in a, in a way. So when you when I I was kind of going to say like is there much in here based on your own experiences? It's more from the people around you than necessarily your relationship because yours seems pretty okay. Yeah, mine's great. I'm I'm very lucky, and I, I I wonder if that affords me the ability to be able to write about darker stuff. And you know, I'm drawn to dark literature, and I'm drawn to dark authors and dark television shows. And I think that's because I have the luxury and the privilege of having a loving and supporting husband and a happy home. So I'm drawn to writing more dramatic stuff. But look, it's exposure I, I, therapy in a way. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's pervy. You know, it's it, this is true fiction. It is um, it's nothing that uh, that I know of that has actually happened in life. But I was I liked the idea of it never being obvious what these two were up to, and there was no there is no binary. There's no black or white with infidelity. There's no will you hurt me? You're out. Uh, especially when you've got young children. So I wanted to sort of make it uh, an option for people that there is nuance and there are gray areas between infidelity, right? Yeah, for sure. And and what I think is really interesting about the choices you've made in this book is that the story is actually told from the husband's perspective, 
which I, I feel like is kind of new in your work too, but like. I've never done it before. I didn't even realize I was doing it. Um, <laughs> so, so tell me why. Well, I wanted to write about Holly. I wanted to write about a woman having an affair rather than be the woman having the affair. I felt like that was too obvious in a way. And so, you know, I am in a marriage with two young children and so I know enough about daily life and I put Cam in a position where he was feeling a bit low on self-worth and he was, you know, in a bit of a rut in his life and he was just at home with the kids all day. And I don't think that's a gender-specific thing. I think that's anyone who's taking that role where and their partners out there thriving could feel those things. So to me, it was less about writing as a man, but more about putting the woman as the star and the, the point of the story, but from not her perspective, which was, a, a, I like to challenge myself in little ways. And I guess that was one. Um, but Stephen Curry, who did the narration, did such a great job and put a lot of comedy and warmth into it and made it really Australian, which I liked. <laughs> He has a really great voice, doesn't he? It really gave me chills. Um, he, <laughs> but but I think what's so interesting about Cam as a character is like you were talking about loving Esther Perel, and you're talking about the fact that you you know have absorbed all these ideas about relationships and where they should be going and how we should look at them, maybe from a little bit more of a um, objective lens, a scientific lens, and so much of that comes through in Cam's. Uh, narration and his thoughts he's a woke bloke um and yet he it doesn't work out for him really like I I'm really curious about the fact that um you know and in a way the theory kind of reminded me a bit of like the way Alain de Baton wrote The Course of Love and how there is um theory and philosophy and psychology like woven through what's happening with the characters in sort of an instructional way um did, was that kind of intended for you and if they kind of know so much about how relationships should work then <laughs> well that's the fallibility of humans isn't it you can know all of the uh techniques and you can know all of the literature and you can be academically a decent human but you're a fallible flesh monster and you're still going to mess up and I think I love that you say that it's very generous of you. I don't think it was meant to be instructional, but I definitely loved the role of the therapist because she got to sort of round them up and make them think deeper about this than just being in their own heads and the fact that they were hurt because, you know, infidelity is the symptom. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a flag post to a bigger, deeper issue in the relationship that needs to be worked on. Um, and we all know that, but I think, yeah, yeah. Cam is relatively, his emotional IQ is high but he fucked up, you know, everyone does. You can do that. And and we've all seen, you know, couples that we thought were rock solid, the most concrete, and they fall in a way that is dizzyingly bad and, and destructive and people implode. So, yeah, you can know everything, but you can still make big, big mistakes. But I think the overarching thing would just be a good, be a, hu- a decent human, be honest and own up to your shit you know, and, and don't hurt other people just because you're going through something terrible. You know, I think that's probably the lesson we can take from this is that when they, these guys made these choices, they were not happy within themselves for whatever reason, or they weren't getting what they felt they needed or deserved, but they hadn't really asked for it in clear terms. Yeah, clear terms and communication, very important. We say it here all the time. You kind of touched on it in there, but I really wanted to get your thoughts on why you think people cheat. Uh, it's such a broad, it's such a broad question. I mean, it can be very 
I think there, you know, in the book there's an affair and then there's a more of a just a one-night stand sort of moment. And I think there is a giant spectrum, obviously. I would say, though, most of the time it's not because they need or want to be with another person. It's because they're looking for validation. They're not feeling like they're getting it at home. They feel disempowered or they've lost their agency or they've lost... They feel like they've lost their partner, their partner's gone mentally, psychically, physically, and so they're paying them back. It's always the person's shit they're projecting into this. And that's why I feel like it's a gift in inverted commas because you're going to talk about those things finally. And sometimes you need to blow things up to look at the debris and go, what's here? How did this happen? Um, So why people cheat is too broad a question, but I think ultimately it's going to come down to their self-worth. Why would you choose to betray the person you love? That's not usually just because you can't get sex. It's because you are acting out or you're trying to blow things up and you don't know how to do it in an honest way with a cup of tea and a conversation. Um, So I I think it's a a really big answer, but I, I feel like most of the time it's people's personal stuff that has invaded the relationship yeah absolutely and I I think clean slate's a little bit of a it's almost like a master class and like what not to do <laughs> um, but but seeing it that way can be can be really helpful because I think maybe sometimes the frustration with the characters allows you to say oh my god I mean and I I have this with general drama where I'm just like if you just talked about it you'd be okay people just talk about it and I feel like sometimes it starts rolling away like with Holly Mm. it just evolved she's like I didn't mean for this to happen it just happened and I think that's the other difference that one is a very emotional affair and that is classically women undertake those I mean there's got to be two in the in that affair but women who are unhappy in their marriage even in a small way undertake an emotional affair because there's no physical they don't feel like there's any wrongdoing whereas men are more inclined to make physical infidelity to, to to betray in that way and they can perhaps compartmentalize it as just like thing didn't mean anything she didn't mean anything to me I don't know if I kept that in there but there was a point where Cam said she didn't mean anything to me so yeah it, it's it's wondering why and how people execute infidelity as well is telling I think yeah absolutely um Zoe I think what's really interesting in the book and it seems to come through in a lot of your work is like a conflict or the relationship between ambition and love. And in Clean Slate, like the couple are very high fly and they're very ambitious and those things kind of need to go together for the attraction to work for them. Do you think a love can work when people have different priorities? That is an excellent question, Matt, and um, a really good point. Look, I, I, I do, I do wonder. I think, I think maybe I, 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 maybe I'm just speaking personally, but in your earlier life, like your late teens and your twenties, you tend to go for your opposite because you go, I'm lacking or deficient in these areas, and this person has these things. So together we make one whole. Um, but then as you get older, you realize what you actually want is your mirror. You want someone who's into the same shit, who doesn't want to go out to parties anymore and likes to stay home. And so you have that, you know, communal. Uh, value system and the things that you like to do are the same but when it comes to career I think it takes a lot for one party to be endlessly supportive of someone who's doing a lot and I think that when you're both doing a lot there's a shared understanding of the ups and the downs so for my husband and I 
we get each other. We get when we shut that door and we're doing media in here. It's like, don't come in. I need to focus. Just bring coffees occasionally and I love you. Thank you. Um, and so we understand each other in that sense. But I think there's, there's a, a, a huge amount of generosity when your partner is in a very different mind space and a very different career that you need to have for them. And some people can do it and some people can't. What you don't want is resentment. And that's what we see come through here because the minute one of them falls off their power, you know, their power career plinth, then they resent the other one for doing it still. So I think there is something to be said for a shared and a common experience because you just get it and you can support each other in mirrored ways. But that's not to say it can't work. It just means that there's a lot more give probably from the other. Yeah, just different types of relationships, I suppose. Yeah, and and and, and you never want to resent your partner's success. You want to celebrate them and support them and, and help them through it. And, and you want to feel like that's reciprocated as well. Yeah, absolutely. We get to we get to kind of the end of Clean Slate and I don't want to um, obviously spoil it. We're not here to, you know, no spoilers. But it doesn't end on a particularly happy note. It doesn't really work out for them. Firstly, like why did you want to make that decision? Um, and do you think anything is really unforgivable or unmendable when it comes to relationships? Oh, yeah. I reckon there probably is. But in this case, um, I love a little twist at the end. It's, it's a fun thing for me to write and to do as the writer to come up with that and execute it and leave the reader a little bit uncomfortable and confused at the end. <laughs> I don't like everything wrapped up neatly in a bow. And so, but for this guy, I think it was more about, again, that sort of false security when you've had a few therapy sessions and you're like, we've got this, you know, we are totally going to be fine, but this is big shit and it's going to take a while to heal. And I sort of wanted to not punish, but I wanted the, to remind them that it's not going to be that quick of a band-aid to pop on and everything's going to be fine and that it's going to be an ongoing process and they're going to have to do a lot of work to really, really um, heal, which I believe they will. But, yeah, they're not there yet. And, you know, Holly's actions in that moment without giving anything away, I think there's a clear line between why she did that perhaps that day and we won't give too much away. But, you know, again, it's that idea of acting out because someone's hurt you. And I think as an evolved human, you would go, well, instead of acting out and retaliating, perhaps we should talk about this. <laughs> but it's hard to do when your primal head's out there and reacting and getting fierce and gnarly and wanting to just feel better about it in that moment. You need to do the long-term goal. And, and I guess scared of um, being judged in something of a hostile space because these two create a really hostile space. Yeah, I know. I was in their heads for months. It was horrible. I'd come downstairs and my sweet little children are running around. I'm like, oh, these people, they're disgusting. <laughs> and I made them. They came from here. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> you just got to get Sometimes you just got to get it out, play in a pool you'd never play in, you know? The joy and the pain of fiction, you know, you live with these people for ages and you may not like them. And I always, my husband always laughs, I'm like, oh, this character's really funny. And he's like, do you realise that you're saying, basically you're saying you're really funny because you made that character. <laughs> so I'm like, no, no, I feel like they're separate to me. I don't feel like they belong to me anymore. They're not mine. They're out there. They grow and become their own thing. Yeah, totally. Um, Zoe, before I let you go, um, you know, you have been uh, writing in this space for a really, really long time and have learned, you know, as you do when you're exposed to and interested in and report on relationships a lot, um, you learn a lot. Uh, what would you say is the most important thing you've learned in terms of having a, I guess, a healthy, successful relationship? 
look, I think it's going back to that thing about being a decent human being, and that goes for every relationship you hold in life. Um, and decent is is a broad term for it, it, it actually. I mean, I've been reading a lot about this at the moment, but it actually just comes back to how you would wish to be treated, and how you, in your ideal world, what would be the most beautiful? You know, have you read Untamed by Glennon Doyle? No. Oh, do it's fantastic. Um, but she talks about you know this sort of idea of you know what's the most beautiful way you could do this, and so I think it's just about um, trying to be the best person you can be. Uh, and it's an it's an evolution and it's a, it's a growth. Like this year, I think we've all had to do a lot of learning and growing and we all are constantly. But if you don't want to be in a relationship, don't be in a relationship. Don't punish the other person or act out or string someone along because you're that's a shitty thing to do. So I guess think, I just want everyone to just try and think about how the other person might feel and why you why would you hurt someone in that way? There is a choice to be made there. So be a decent human where possible, please. <laughs> I can second that. That's and teamwork. You know, my husband's big on teamwork, and I think that's something that I, you know, I'm an author. I'm a, I'm a solo worker. I like doing things by myself and having agency and autonomy. But you have to be a genuine teammate. And we operate in different ways. Like if I'm running late and I'm panicked and I haven't slept, I flip out, and he's Mr. Calm. And I resent that in that moment, but I know it's the right thing. <laughs> so it's like finding that middle ground and being a good team for the for the sake of the children and harmony and and being good people that's really good really good to take away just don't be don't be a shitty person (laughs) (laughs) Zoe Foster Blake it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for being with us on the hookup thanks for your beautiful questions lovely to chat she's good hey I hope we didn't give too much away but if you want to listen to her book it's called Clean Slate and you can catch it on Audible have a good one I'll catch you next time